Marketing, the casino for businesses trying to break through to the frontier of success. These are the voyages of entrepreneurs, dreamers, and really naive millennials on a mission to get ridiculously wealthy. To seek out new traffic to their stores, offices, and websites. This is Unbottleneck, the marketing podcast taking you to the farthest reaches of online and offline marketing. With the elite experts, professors, and that crazy guy with the weird haircut who has two gazillion Snapchat subscribers and wields his social media influence like a sword from Castle Grayskull dipped in CBD oil and lit with a blue flame ready to break through the tough bottlenecks of marketing. Welcome to Unbottleneck. Now here's your host, the nerd of nerds, Steve Wiedemann. Everyone, welcome to another episode of Unbottleneck, the podcast where we we solve common marketing problems. Uh, today with us we have Tim Ash, who's actually one of my personal heroes and probably one of the smartest guys you'll ever meet in digital marketing and maybe even psychology, which we'll hear about a little bit more. So Tim Ash is an international keynote speaker on evolutionary psychology and digital marketing. As I mentioned, he's the author of Unleash the Primal Brain: Demystifying How We Think and Why We Act. He's the best-selling author of Landing Page Optimization, the definitive guide to testing and tuning for conversions, which, by the way, I've had for years, um, and the founder and former chair of the Worldwide Digital Growth Unleashed Conference Series. Tim, welcome to the show, and tell us a little bit more about um, about this great book that you have that, that just came out. I'd love to hear about it. Hey, Steve. Uh, yeah, very happy to be here. As, as you know, I've been uh, I'm kind of one of the OGs of marketing. I started in internet marketing shortly after Al Gore invented the interwebs <laughs> uh, right. back in the mid 90s <laughs> when dinosaurs roamed the earth. Uh, and uh, I've been at it ever since. But uh, my love of online marketing came about through my love of persuasion and psychology. And that's what I studied in at University of California, San Diego. And you know, my graduate work was in artificial intelligence, that sort of thing. So I, I've kind of come full circle. I started with uh, psychology and cognition, and then I went applied it to marketing. We made over $1.2 billion, as you know, for our clients uh, when I ran my agency for many years yep. by I using these principles. <laughs> yeah, and, and now it's back to just explaining how the brain really works. That's why I wrote the book, was just to explain to people uh, how it works and to do a lot of myth busting because there are a lot of misconceptions about the brain. And this is more than just digital marketing, right? It really is. Oh, the book on... itself is not applied to anything. It's basically an operating system for human beings. It's what all 8 billion of us on the planet share and have in common. So it retraces... Uh, early life on earth, what we picked up in terms of uh, neurochemicals, emotions, learning, memory, and then it goes on to our herd instinct, how we group together, dominance, storytelling culture, basically it retraces the whole arc of evolution and where our brain picked up various important pieces. That's awesome. And the, and the goal is for, for folks who read it to become more aware of those things and and maybe even improve them, right? Yeah, I would say that the book is a, a bit of a chameleon as since it's not applied to anything. If you read it as a marketer, mm -hmm. you would get a lot out of it because like I said, that's what I built my, my former agency on. Yeah. Uh, if you read it for relationships or personal development, you're going to get a completely different take as well. So uh, it's universal, I would say. That's fantastic. So we, we definitely have to check that out. So it's Unleash Your Primal Brain, Demystifying How We Think and Why We Act. 
I cannot wait to check it out. And it's now on uh, paperback and uh, audio, right? That's right. Back in 2020, I released the ebook and the audio book, which I also narrated. That was a lot of fun. Uh, and the worldwide paperback launch, it, it just happened April 6th. So it's available anywhere books are sold. <laughs> That's fantastic. Or so you can get more information about, uh, about it at uh, primalbrain.com as well. That's got the table of contents and a lot more background information. That had to be a tough domain to get. That seems like it's a, it's a popular two-word phrase. Uh, did you already have that? Was that no, something? I had to, had to shell out some coin to get that right. one for sure. All right. I remember when I was at Disney, we had to do the same for Disney parks. They never thought they'd need Disney parks. And then one day they're like, hey, let's let's do a branding campaign and have Disney parks. And there was a cyber squatter in there. And I think they had to pay quite a bit to get that. And like, just go to ICANN. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've dealt a bit with the domain name industry. And yeah, it's, uh, it's all about the real estate you own. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so I remember when we, we first met, I was in one of your sessions at a conference and you, you talked a lot about conversion rate optimization. In fact, of, of all the amazing things that were going on at that moment, I said, I got to go sit in on this because I can drive traffic to a website as an SEO. I, I know all the right, you know, focal points, the right search terms, where to use them, how to, how to use, you know, semantics and how to internal link to content. But the problem is, you know, long-term, I can't get those pages to sustain ranking unless the users are actually staying and doing something. Otherwise, they're like, okay, this is interesting. And they go back to Google. They choose the different results. And eventually, my rankings start to go away. So for me, conversion rate optimization was my hidden agenda was to try to sustain rankings. Yeah. Uh, but secondary to also making sure the client's actually getting business out of it. Well, that, that's um, the bottom line. I remember I keynoted once at the Moz uh, conference up in Seattle in front of about 600 SEOs. And my, my opening phrase was, nothing that you do in your daily work matters. Wow. <laughs> that's pretty provocative. But the point was, if you don't get the conversion on the back end of that traffic, what's the point? It's just rankings are an intermediate metric. They're not why the business cares about SEO. They care right. about it as a source of prospects or customers. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've noticed that when we, we are asked, how long does it take to rank a web page, right? I've, I've been able to now communicate that, you know, if, if you have the right content and it's it's the most helpful and it's um, it's compatible with, with all different devices and browsers and accessibility issue and security and privacy or all those things are kind of taken into account, then you kind of qualify to rank. If you um, get links and you earn visibility to your name and, and the keywords you want to appear for, Google will associate that URL once it finds it on your primary domain and it'll give you even more qualifications to rank. But you're not really going to move up into the top results until Google sees that users are interacting with the listing more than they are the other listings and that they're staying on that page. Yeah, and, and so, I know I'm talking to a very sophisticated SEO audience probably <laughs> with, with your with your podcast here, but to me, there are three rough eras of SEO. The first was, of course, the on-page SEO, keyword stuffing and that that kind of fun stuff. And then there was inbound links and then people tried to game that with link farms and so on. That. And so Google, actually, the reason they invented the, or popularized the Chrome browser wasn't to compete with Internet Explorer, as crappy as that was back in the day. But it was really kind of a sneak attack to understand user behavior. So now they're getting time on site. They're getting what people click on. They're getting analytics on uh, conversion goals and so on. So they basically wanted to see, is the content useful? Because right. you can't spoof that. Either people are showing up and getting what they need out of it or they're not. So really, if you want to have great SEO, you should great have great CRO, conversion yep. rate optimization. 
because those are the signals Google is, as I understand it, weighing much more heavily these days. Sure. And, and I know when, when I get clients that are still sort of young to digital marketing, and I use the word conversion, some of them, especially attorneys, get confused. They say, um, I don't think I understand what you mean by a conversion. To me, a conversion is I got a case. A conversion means I, I got a client out of it. And to me, I said, well, basically, when, when we convert a visitor into a lead or into a, a prospect for you, um, that to us is a conversion. On the back end, it's up to you to close that conversion, right? Is to is to turn that person into an actual customer for lead generation. For e-commerce, it's of course a transaction. It's getting them to purchase something. But how do you how do you define you know what um, conversion rate optimization is for those folks that are listening that might be a little bit new to this whole language? Yeah, and that's a great question. But it points out what we talked about earlier, which is ultimately the business owners or the executives in the business care about results. Yeah. Uh, they do care about clients. They do care about e-commerce sales. And I've always thought about conversion rate optimization very broadly. So when I wrote my books, and this is the second edition of landing page optimization, that term was popularized by Google and seems a little narrow. Uh, and even conversion rate optimization is, is a little nebulous. But basically right. what it means have people do something on your site that ultimately has value for your business. It could be early stage, for example, download a guide or watch a video to get more informed about something. Right. It could be customize something or play with some kind of wizard or setup configurator. It, it could be contact someone via a form, or it could be contact someone just by direct dial. A lot of stuff is going click to call these days and bypassing or, a traditional website or landing page. Or the so inferred intent by clicking on a phone number, right? Yes, exactly right. And, the, and so uh, the conversion is the action you want people to take. And it might be just a micro conversion on the way to the ultimate goal. Uh, like you said, uh, if your goal is to provide high quality leads to law firms, they still have to have somebody on the other end effectively closing them to turn them into a client. And even even brand awareness can be a campaign with conversion if you're you're measuring it through how many people watched a video on the page or like you'd mentioned a download. That's right. Yeah. And you can also gauge the quality of, of that engagement. For example, you can get very granular and say how many of them watched that video all the way through. Uh, and that's a very different than just opening the first few seconds of it. And how YouTube does that allows you to see how many people watched it 25% through 50% through, et cetera. Yeah. So, so for those of us that, that, you know, are, are really good at SEO, but don't really understand what some of those best practices look like for conversion rate optimization, could you maybe explain, explain, um, you know, how, how CRO works? I mean, what do you do? What's the magic behind it? Is there, yeah. you just move some, some buttons around? What's the trick? Well, there, there, there's no magic, but it is a bit of an art and a science. Uh, essentially, it's trying to persuade people once they get to the site. One of the important aspects of it is to align it with whatever happens upstream. So you're talking about sending traffic from search engine optimization. It could be from paid Google AdWords, um, it does, it lots, of, or you can send out an email and drive them back to a page on your site. Yeah. Yeah. So the alignment between what happens upstream and on the landing page where you're sending them is really, really important. One of the key principles that we talk about when I ran my agency was that you have to keep your promises. Right. If you say, you know, you get a free consultation, that's what your ad says or what your SEO the text that pops up and says okay. in the search listing, then that page better be focused on a free consultation, for example. Right. 
And so it's important to have that alignment. Otherwise, there's a disconnect, or as we say, uh, the visitor loses information sent. They don't know what to do next. Is this the right place? Now what do I do? So unless you make it real obvious that, yes, we promised this and we're keeping our promise, uh, that's one of those basics. Otherwise, people will get lost. And there's there's different areas too. There's I'm sure there's the, the technology point of, you know, hey, this the site looks fantastic, but the functionality and, and things are, are not working in a way that... Um, that benefits our conversion rate optimization. And then I'm sure there's the, the content side. What what are the messages? What are the headings? What are the, um, yeah. you know, the, the words on the buttons that you want them to click? I'm sure there's, there's things Absolutely. that you can I mean, if, and, and any page can be a landing page. It could be your homepage is a landing page just uh, as a product detail page in a large e-commerce catalog is also a landing page because a lot of sites link directly to product pages. So any front door or side door where people are coming in is a landing page. And one of the things you have to think about is, are you orienting people? Do they have the context that they need? Or did you expect them to come through your front door and then take several steps to get to that page? You can't assume that. The way hyperlinks work is anybody can link to anything. So think of it this way. Uh, Imagine you're a parachutist and you at night and you get blown off course and you crash through the roof of a house and you're in a room. Okay. Now figure out what to do. You didn't come through the front door. It's dark and you just landed in some room. So you always have to provide local context and other uh, ways for people to orient themselves on your pages. Don't assume that they came through your homepage. That makes sense. Uh, And when, and when you're working with clients, I know reporting for us is a big deal. In fact, I think we're one of the few, like SEO groups out there that that actually like have really defined KPIs with our clients. And we have a, a data studio that highlights where we are in terms of hitting our KPIs at any given moment. Um, uh, when it comes to reporting, how do you calculate like conversion? How do you report on that? Is there... Is well, there well you can record most conversion actions like watching videos or clicking through. Sometimes the, the action is just a micro conversion making your homepage more effective at shoveling people towards other important parts of the site. So there it's the conversion is just a click in the right direction. It's not even the ultimate goal. So you can of course record and measure all of those things. I tried to look at long-term metrics Uh, to me. um, Lifetime customer value is uh, the gold standard because just getting that first customer and getting them cost effectively um, might be difficult, but if you count into the multiple sales or transactions you're going to have with them, often programs, and yeah, referral yes. programs, and yeah, yep. So the closer you can get to true customer lifetime value, the better off you are. But sure. um, you should understand the efficiencies of every step in that process. How many land there? How many bounce off and don't do anything? How many click through? How many fill out the form? How many of those close? and so on. So you need a kind of efficiency metrics, but don't get stuck on the intermediate metrics. The goal is still to make the end-to-end process as efficient as possible. Right. And the mechanisms I've seen even recently where, you know, they're, they're trying to understand what customers are interacting with more. I've seen Google Sheets set up, you know, where they've got a tab for each kind of test that they want to run across different pages or, you know, different, um, different elements on the page. I've seen Google Optimize um, that, that program be used. Um, and I'm not really familiar, very familiar with, with any of them, but, um, what are, what are some things that, that 
you know, some businesses who want to start doing some of their own conversion rate optimization testing um, could use as a, as a way to measure and, and track and do testing. Well, you've just uh, stepped on a personal pet peeve of mine, uh, uh -oh. which is a lot of people <laughs> reduce conversion rate optimization to split testing. In other words, okay. let's try two or more different versions of the content, see what people respond to. Yeah. And on the surface, that makes a lot of sense. Unfortunately, unless you have a very high traffic site, you probably don't have the traffic to do that kind of split testing very often. Or you might have a few high volume pages. But even if you have one that's high volume enough, what happens if you repeatedly test it? Well, your page is going to get better and better over time. Your ideas will get worse and worse because you've used up all the good improvements already by changing them. And eventually you're going to hit this balance point or plateau where you can't knock the winner, the current winner off its pedestal anymore. So if you just think of conversion rate optimization as just split testing different content, you're going to hit a wall pretty quickly. To me, it's much more strategic. It's really optimizing your whole business. It could be, um, more content marketing and more supporting information to help somebody through their customer journey. It could be your backend communication with email and uh, marketing automation that you're doing there. It could be your customer service policy, or it could be um, just the way you handle returns. So anything in the business is up for grabs. Once we had a e-commerce company that sold very expensive items and their people were very knowledgeable on the phone about these items, but they didn't really know how to sell. So you, the website needed an assist and that was talking to people on the phone. So we just did a one week sales training for their 60 reps oh, wow. and their website sales didn't change, but their phone sales jumped up 15%. That was worth multi-millions a year to them. Oh my God. And so the way we look at it is optimization is just everybody's job is optimization and everybody should be looking to help regardless of the role. It's not just how many a B test did you run this year? Right. Got it. Yeah. Cause that's, it almost feels myopic after you, you broaden it out that CRO is much more than just testing a landing page. It's, it's really looking at all the different pieces, the source of where it's coming from and aligning the messaging to where the, uh, the language that was on the source site. It's, um, while someone's thinking about making a purchase decision or, or taking an action, they're going to look at some of the other information on the website. Mm -hmm. um, that's a really good point. I've, I've noticed a lot of healthcare sites like Healthline and even some clients that we've worked with do a lot with with putting like trust signals on their pages just to mm -hmm. just to convince people to stay, not necessarily convince them to take an action. Such as um, content has been doctor verified, and it yes. it goes through this whole kind of list of that. And little, yeah, and, little and trust is important. I talk about trust, but there, uh, and I describe the four pillars of building instant trust online. Unfortunately, you don't see people face to face, of course, when they come to your website. So the four pillars are the appearance of your site. Is it cheesy or professional? That's one. Uh, another one is trust badges, like you're talking about, save shopping seals, or we accept credit cards. Those are transactional trust. Uh, third party validation is also important. So those would be more like media mentions or we're part of an association or we're the Better Business Bureau or we have a you know, 98% success rate in our cases if you're talking about law firms. And then social proof, other people that have bought your product or service that have had a good outcome with it. So testimonials, reviews, that sort of thing. So you, you have to strategically place those things in the right parts of your of your website experience, but yeah, trust is a critical factor. 
I remember years ago, and I think it was even in that session that we met, like I said, like eight years ago, you were giving an example of 1-800-Flowers. I think it was 1-800-Flowers, some flower company. Mm -hmm. And and the, uh, the idea was, you know, hey, what would happen if we added or removed additional kind of trust logos from this page? You know, what, what would be the difference? And um, I remember in that, that example that the more logos you had, uh, the more it actually did convert, even though it felt a little bit overwhelming. I thought wow. that was really interesting. <laughs> Great memory. Yeah, the example was actually for a DVD uh, duplication service, and they'd worked okay. with some massive companies like AT&T and uh, yeah. Nike That's and right. uh -huh. Red Cross. And yeah, so one of the things we tried was next to the lead generation form on the website, we just put a big phalanx of these logos. We actually had 36 of them. And that improved conversion rate on the forum. The percentage of people filled it out by, I believe it was something like 58%. Uh, and amazing. then if we just took cherry picked the top few brands and put them in a single column next to the forum, then it dropped back to no improvement at all. You might as well have the bare form. So sometimes hitting people over the head with trust symbols is the right thing to do. It's not the particular one. It's the fact that there are lots of them. <laughs> it depends on the, I'm sure it depends on the industry. Yes. You, you probably have that a lot too. In the SEO industry, our, our first answer to anything is it depends. It depends. And I'm sure with CRO, there's a lot of that. It depends as well, right? Well, it, it does depend and it depends on the business model, the company, their target audience, uh, their existing brand and what it stands for in the minds of the visitors. And I think there's a big difference between business to business and business to consumer as that's well, because if you're talking about buying a box of Tic Tacs at 7-Eleven, that's not a huge risk. But if you say, hey, we're going to... Um, put this software system in to run our, the whole back end of our business. Well, you're going to get fired for that and the company can tank and bad things will happen. So there's personal risk and there's organizational risk. And usually business to business sales uh, require more convincing. There are more stakeholders and you have to address those organizational risks. It's much longer funnel. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Um, well, let's see. The next question that, um, that we had on our list that we wanted to ask was, um, thinking about industries, right? This can go in so many different directions. Like we just talked about one where putting some logos on the site made a bit of a difference. Um, in, in your experience, what's, what's a good conversion rate for a, a landing page just in general? I know B2B is going to be different than B2C, but uh, if you were to look at, I don't know, let's just say a, a retail site with products in the 50 to $100 range, you know what? I get that question all the time. What should my conversion rate be? Is there a math well, we, to that? Or you know, there are, there are very few aggregated statistics that are valid and no. they're going to be yeah. broad brush out of necessity. Also, companies will lie when reporting that stuff. For some mm -hmm. companies, most companies yeah. won't even tell you because that's their, their competitive advantage. Uh, I would, or they're using last click. Yeah. Or they're using last click attribution. Uh, uh -huh. But I would say that it's higher than it currently is, is the right answer because very few sites are, are optimized properly. So it can always get better. So the way I talk about it in, in my landing page optimization book was, I said, there's people that will definitely not buy your product. There are people that are super fans that definitely will. And then there's these set of persuadables in the middle. Uh, and some of them are mutually exclusive. So by persuading some of them, you're going to unpersuade others. So you're really playing in that middle field of the maybes. Uh, and uh, that's the the part that you can move the needle on. 
I love it. And then when we think about KPIs, one of the things that we measure kind of month over month, and we try to hold the developers and designers accountable to is improving things like page speed, improving things like um, conversion rates, and maybe even provide incentives. Just say, here's where we are right now. We'd like to go from 2% to 4% by the end of the year, and well, we'll do a performance incentive if you're able to do it. Yeah, but that's that's arbitrary. So for me, those kind of goals are arbitrary. I actually like the idea, by the way, of improving page speed. It's been shown over and over again that conversion is highly sensitive to page oh, yeah. load speed, especially the apparent first screen load time. And right. people just have uh, heightened expectations. They have faster connections. So if your site takes a long time to load, literally a split second is going to, is costing you probably a lot of money. Right. Yeah, I think so, there was a study that, um, on it about Amazon, right? And Amazon had said, if, if it takes X seconds for somebody to get through an experience, we lose X millions of dollars per minute or something. Yeah. And Google has done similar stuff. I believe the the number was something like a half second delay in page load time was a 15% drop in conversion rate. That's massive for a lot of businesses. That's uh, the difference between being profitable and growing and going out of business. So always use content delivery networks and host on very fast servers and make sure that your, your site loads very quickly. Two, two that I've heard about recently that have done really well in our testing uh, for mentioned CDNs, the content delivery network, is uh, StackPath. StackPath, uh, we did a test and we saw some pretty amazing page speed. Um, the other one was something called NitroPack, which was something that we were using, I think, with WordPress. Mm-hmm. So NitroPack and StackPath seem to be something to test if you're finding that your your pages aren't performing well. Um, I get I get asked a lot, what are, what are SEO focal points? And I, I say, well... Of course, the title because we want to make sure the user, you know, sees that compelling, clickable title with a, you know, value proposition, the keyword we want to rank for, and maybe some sort of call to action. The heading, the subheadings, image, image names, file names, right? Um, those are all sort of on-page SEO attributes. When we think about conversion rate optimization, um, what are some attributes that you would recommend that site owners experiment with as they start dialing those those pages in? Well, it, it's like you say, the, the answer is it depends on it depends on the business, the business model. For example, if you look at a an objective metric like time on page, how long do people stay on your site or number of pages viewed? I can make the case that for some companies, number of pages viewed increasing is bad because it's confusing and they had to they didn't get what run they around. They didn't get what they wanted and it wasn't clear. And uh, on the other hand, it can be a sign of engagement and that they're they're looking at the content and are finding that deeply engrossing. So uh, it depends on what you're trying to accomplish and what, what your goal is. Gotcha. Um, some things that I've noticed when we look at those focal points on on mobile, I've seen I've seen some pretty big wins, uh, both in, in e-commerce lead generation and for some of the restaurant chains we work with and adding sticky buttons at the bottom of the mobile experience. Yeah. Um, maybe just an order now. Uh, we used to have just directions on IHOP and Applebee's. It was just directions. And then this pandemic hit and we had to really force as much as we could all the off-premises business, delivery, carry out, take out, right. to go, et cetera. So we put a little or- start order button on that bottom right-hand side within thumb's reach. And the you know the, the conversion rates, the order rates just went skyrocketed because it was easy for the user to know uh, immediately what they need to do and where they need to go instead of just yeah. kind of scrolling around the page and figuring out like, oh, all right, start order. Yeah, well, yeah. when we talk about user experience design, there's this hierarchy of, um, I guess, 
effort that's required or load put on the user of a system, in this case, somebody interacting with the website. And the, the order is it's visual load, motor load, and cognitive load. So visual load is anything you can inspect with your eyes. So is it within your line of sight? The visual system takes up about half the brain and is very powerful. If anything requires motor load, that means a voluntary motion on your part to move over, to click a button, to scroll down and see something, to, to right. expose a drop-down list in a menu. Those are voluntary motor actions. That's a lot higher ask. And then by far the highest ask is cognitive load. If you expect me to think. think. And sometimes that's as simple as your menu items, you have too many of them. You have 17. If you want me to read them and and also to figure out which one to click on, that's a lot of cognitive load. So as you put it, one of the keys is to make sure that a lot of the key things are there just by visual inspection. So they only require visual load. So keeping that button pinned to the bottom for a key conversion action is absolutely critical. Right, I love it. And I've, I've had that experience recently where Cheesecake Factory, right? Scrolling through that menu, like, forget it. Just pick something for me. I don't even want to look at it. <laughs> I've right. it off my wife too much choice, too much cognitive load. Yeah, yeah. Don't make me think. Idea. That was a great book by Steve, my friend Steve Krug about uh, okay. good web usability. It was written a long time ago, but the basics are still absolutely spot on. And that was the title of the yeah. book, Don't Make Me Think. Who was is, who is the first guy who, who did a lot of uh, web user experience? Was it Vincent Flanders, Web Pages That Suck? Remember that? <laughs> I oh remember the title. That was like, what, 90s? Late 90s? Well, the, the, the pioneers in that was uh, Jacob Nielsen, who uh-huh. uh, also worked with a former professor of mine, Don Norman, and they formed okay. this uh, usability consultancy called the Nielsen Norman Group. And it's, uh, yeah, uh-huh. those guys did stuff, yeah, back in the 90s. I lived on those pages back in the day. I'm like, <laughs> I sure hope they don't like show my site on this site. <laughs> so bad. Well, as I always say, a whole chapter of the book in the landing page optimization book devoted to it. I say, your baby is ugly. Yep. <laughs> we just, the, the first step to fixing it. it is acknowledging you have a problem. It's like a 12 step <laughs> program. It's <laughs> awesome. I love that. And I share that story so many times too with our clients. Um, you've talked about avoiding the seven deadly, deadly sins of landing page design. Uh, what are uh, what are these ways that business owners can um, that might be sabotaging their their efforts or their websites? Again, talking about babies ugly, right? Uh, are big mistakes that you see being made over and over and over again? Well, one of them we already talked about: not keeping your promises upstream of the actual landing page or website. Also, too much text. People don't want to read, especially on mobile devices. I mean, some of that text, especially if you're not adjusting the size of it, it probably looks like three or four point font and is really unreadable. And besides, people don't like to read in front of a screen. They'd much rather read a physical book uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, Another one is distracting graphics. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of people, I'd say, over-decorate their site. They have graphic designers that are just bored doing the same old boring stuff. So they throw in a background picture or or God forbid, some kind of motion, some carousel or swipe or fade or dissolve. I don't care what kind of motion it is. We evolved. Our grandparents survived the bear attack because they reacted to motion. It's not optional. So if you decorate with strong graphics or motion, you're going to overwhelm the key elements of the page. Yeah. You know, so Tim, I give you I give you credit every single time we mention to a client that they should 
probably consider not using crazy carousels and sliders and and that sort of thing. And in fact, we, we even put it in our audit. Uh, thanks to your advice. Now, when we're doing a technical audit, mm-hmm. even though it's not necessarily a, a direct keyword and direct ranking signal, it could add extra load to your page. It's mm-hmm. distracting and nobody clicks that tiny little dot at the bottom to view the next slider. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Think about that. You're actually yeah. saying here, we're going to have you learn a user interface in order to scroll through different frames of our commercial. Right. Wow. Yeah. I really want to do that. Said no one ever. Exactly. Yeah, figure out how to use our website. <laughs> uh, that's awful. Um, you've also mentioned the effectiveness of deploying powerful neuromarketing techniques to persuade people and move them to act. Can you explain that to our listeners? Absolutely. One of the reasons I wrote this Unleash Your Primal Brain book that I mentioned, my latest book, is because it was so effective for us when I ran my former agency about three quarters two thirds to three quarters of that $1.2 billion in value that we created for clients was based on these durable neuromarketing principles. And a lot of people say it's our irrational behavior or um, our subconscious is running the show. However you want to describe it, the primal brain is really in charge of decision-making. So if you understand some of our evolutionary biases, let's call them that, then you're going to be a much better marketer. For example, we react much more to pain avoidance than we do to pleasure. So if I said, hey, Steve, what's your favorite ice cream flavor? Yeah. What would it be? Chocolate. Chocolate. Okay, great. Here's a bowl of chocolate ice cream. I'm holding it up. Go ahead and take it. I'll just whack you once with a hammer on the back of your hand as you reach for it. What do you think? <laughs> Still want that ice cream? I would say absolutely not. Right. I know it's going to motivate you. I mean, you have to be a real chocolate ice cream fan to go for that bargain, right? Uh-huh. We're about twice as tuned into pain avoidance as we are to pleasure seeking. So if you want to motivate someone as a marketer, a lot of times I've heard marketers say, for example, well, that's off brand for us. We don't say anything mean or unkind and you don't have to trash your competitors. But if you just said, what's life like, what's the real cost of staying on the path you're on? Let's say you're selling, I don't know, tooth whitening cream. Well, you could say you'll have white teeth and okay, that's a positive thing. What if you said, Uh, I had yellow teeth and I was afraid to smile and I didn't do it. I did that closed mouth smile, which was really awkward and I couldn't get a date. And here I am on my deathbed, dying alone with my cats around me. Yeah. If you actually paint the picture of the real consequences of something, then people are moved to act and do something about it. So as they say in the, uh, in the gym, when you're working out, no pain, no gain. If you don't create a pain for me, you won't stand to gain. The value of your solution is directly tied to how much pain I perceive it to be. So you should be doing everything you can as a marketer to rub salt into the wound and go negative. That's really interesting. Um, When you think about like all the different business models that are out there and how you can apply that, right? Without talking trash on the competitors, you could just simply say, here's, here's here's why other clients have come uh, to us or left their current whatever Mm -hmm. and come to us. Yeah, uh, that in way fact, uh, some of the best copywriting we ever did at our agency, we never did. <laughs> what we would do is go through discussion forums and customer sur- surveys and all of that frontline stuff, talk to sales reps and how they handle objections. And then you're hearing stuff your customers are saying in their own words, the real problems they're having. And again, we just mm-hmm. crafted our best copy out of that stuff. What are the negative things and the that people are saying, what do they care about? What, what are they solving for? Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's their end desire? 
we've used that before. What what is it they're actually like I I have this title tag principles page that I wrote in 2009. I think it's mm -hmm. still in Google if you search title tag principles and um, and it invokes those principles, right? It's it's using uh, the call to action value proposition and the keyword you want to rank for. But even in there, my, my value proposition is learn title tag principles that improve your SEO and click through rate. What are they really looking for? They don't well, care about title so, tag So what you're saying is, is I agree with at the level of you should be talking about the benefits and not the advantages or the features of something. You shouldn't right. be down in the weeds talking, you're about, talking features. about the narrative, telling the story. Yeah, but what I I do I would have a bone to pick with you because I would say is um, something more like uh, are crappy title tags killing your SEO rankings? Learn how to avoid the pain oh, of that. In other words, I'd go negative yeah, with it. I'd invert it. That's genius. Yeah, I'm gonna test that. That that's gonna be really fun because we're we're launching our new site in a month, and I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> test it against another page. What's the real cost of your crappy title tags? Yeah, your title tags sucks. Yeah, they, how much money <laughs> are your title tags costing you every year? Stop the bleeding. I mean, that's how kind of how I'd write it. I love it. That's so persuasive too. So I've, I have a quick lightning round of, of questions for you and then sure. we can segue into uh, what's coming up in your life, Tim Ash. Um, number one is if I were to get into conversion rate optimization, I wanted to be an expert like you. I know it's going to take you know 20 years in school and everything, but if I wanted to fast track my way, um, what are some websites that I should be looking at every day to learn from? And I hear, I hear there's one cool little training program coming up on LinkedIn that might be part of that answer. <laughs> uh, well, I'll, I'll get into that in a second, <laughs> but uh, I'd say it's not so much websites, but what should you be studying if you want to okay. be effective at conversion rate optimization? And the answer is the human mind. Okay. The problem is that we have a bias. We have the shiny object syndrome. What's the latest technology? Well, it's, it's Twitter this or Clubhouse that or virtual reality goggles or hologram suppositories. I don't know what it's going to be tomorrow, right? <laughs> but, what, but what I can tell you is the thing you're trying to persuade hasn't changed. And that's the human brain. From the standpoint of evolution, we're frozen in this moment right now. We're not evolving. So if you want to have a durable career as any kind of marketer, but especially in conversion rate optimization and persuasion, then you should definitely build on the foundation of evolutionary psychology, how our brains evolved and how we really make decisions. And that's one of the reasons I wrote my, my latest book was to give people that knowledge. That's uh, amazing. Uh, second question, what is uh, your favorite conversion rate optimization software or platforms, if there are any? Mm, well, I will talk about a class of software and they're not split testing tools. There's plenty of those out there, but it's all of the qualitative stuff. It's the stuff that gives you insights about what people actually do on your page. So if you're talking about websites, yeah, recording sessions, yeah. uh, watching what people do in the wild when they're actually on your site. Uh, you could, for example, say, hey, all the people that went through our checkout process but dropped out at this step, replay those sessions for me. And that is truth. You know, eventually you'll see patterns emerge about what people are doing. So I don't believe in survey questions. I don't believe in focus groups, but observing people in the wild just by recording okay. user sessions can be a very powerful way to uncover site problems. I've seen, I've seen a few of those too. Uh, one that uh, I've heard of, I think is Hotjar. Yep. Um, yeah, there's a number of them out there. Right. 
So maybe maybe if someone was interested, they could do a search for you know hot jar versus and see what some of those other options are, and then explore and see which ones work for them. Look at that reviews and so forth. Absolutely, um, and hot jar uh, is uh, run by my my friend David, uh, and uh, it's a great oh, cool. tool. So absolutely right recommend on. that one. Um, I would I'd say the next question is for those people who uh, again just want to kind of keep up with what's going on and learnings. Are there certain people you would follow on Twitter or on social media that share really great content every day that are um, that would be a good place to start? Well, the Godfather of Sales Persuasion is uh, Dr. Robert Cialdini. He was kind enough to blurb my latest book, but his book Influence: The Psychology of Persuasion is an absolute classic in the field. And he just came out with another one called Presuasion about how context influences your decisions okay. before you even make them. No way. Um, I don't think I've heard of him. I'm off to check that one out. Yeah, he's a professor um, in Arizona, and I've shared some keynote stages with him. Yeah, just cool. an incredible guy. Are there are there any social groups out there? Like I'm I'm in probably 20 different SEO groups on Facebook, on LinkedIn. Um, on Slack, right? Um, are there any groups that folks can get involved in and just kind of listen and learn and interact with other CRO experts? Uh, well, there are a number on uh, on LinkedIn, CRO pros and other groups okay. where people just congregate. And I would highly recommend the conference series that I used to run. It used to be called Conversion Conference. It was focused on conversion rate optimization. It's still going on, uh, except in global pandemic years in the U.S., yeah. Germany, and the UK, and it's now called Digital Growth Unleashed. So if you get an opportunity to attend that, you're going to be learning from the very best. Oh, I don't know. Is it still in Vegas? Um, as far as I know, it's it's still going on in Vegas. But again, this has kind of been a bit of a lost year, so I'm not sure uh, <laughs> where it's going to be. Yeah, it's been crazy. Well, Tim, tell us about what, what you have going on right now and, and uh, how people can get a hold of you. Absolutely. I sold my agency a couple of years ago, and I've been focusing on keynote speaking, uh, corporate marketing training. I also do solo advisory, things like my ruthless website reviews. I guarantee them. Uh, and I also do advisory for senior executives at companies. So okay. Basically, I'm on call unlimited for senior executives with anything related to digital marketing. Nice. Uh, of course, I'm doing the keynote speaking and uh, finished the latest book, Unleash Your Primal Brain. That's at primalbrain.com. And I'm also, as you mentioned, just rolled out a new LinkedIn learning class. It's an introduction to neuromarketing. So just search for Tim Ash on LinkedIn Learning and that course should come up. It's a fantastic course. I'm really proud of it. That's awesome. And, and folks who are listening, if you're not doing any of these things, your digital marketing is being wasted I'm trying to put a pain point in there and learn from what I, I learned in this session. Tim. <laughs> you are wasting so much money right now because your site's not converting. Buy Tim's book. Check out the learning courses. I promise you'll love them. I've, I've enjoyed every single conference that I've been with you, Tim, and I'm constantly referencing all those videos on YouTube that you've done over the years. So well, I appreciate um, that. And then you can get more info at timash.com about everything that's not book related. Is that though. where I can send people who are interested in, in having you beat up their website? Absolutely. That's a, I okay. describe the expert website reviews on that. And like I said, I give an unconditional guarantee. If you don't like what I say in the review, uh, I'll give you your money back. I've done about 500 of them, including for Google and Facebook. So I'm not too worried wow. about the guarantee. It's never been exercised. Uh, but you, you have to have a thick skin because I'm not going to, uh, you know, pull any punches. That's amazing. Tim, this has been incredible. Thank you so much for hanging out with us and helping folks that are in digital marketing learn a little bit more about how they can get 
people who visit their website to actually become customers and hopefully stay on their website, which as we talked about even before the show could help their SEO long-term and along with, you know, a million other things. And um, yeah, thanks again for being here. And uh, any last words you want to share with the audience? No, it's it's been my absolute pleasure, Steve. Happy to be with you. Awesome. Well, I'll start, stop the recording. And guys, thanks for another amazing episode and we'll see you on the next show. Thank you.